share with you and share it with you this morning and so it goes like this it's a story and I don't know if it's a true story or not but it's uh years ago this young this young pastor who's brand new in his community walked into the downtown area he was lost uh he couldn't find the post office and this is before cell phones and MapQuest and whatever else and so it's nice isn't it that we have cell phones now we have this problem anymore but you know believe it if you're under the age of 20 there was a day when you had to consult maps to find places, or you had to ask somebody, amen? And so uh, I remember those days, and so this young pastor uh, was walking around, couldn't find the, the, the post office, and so he found this, this young boy sitting with his mom next to the, uh, the grocery store. And so he walked to me and said, hey, young man, uh, where's the post office at? And so this young boy said, well, yeah, I know where it is. He goes, just go down Main Street here, take a left about four blocks down on Elm Street. It's, it's, it's about a block and a half after that. You can't miss it. And so, you know, he was really helpful. And so this pastor said, thank you so much, man, and I appreciate that. And the pastor, uh, you know, being, being evangelistic in nature, he, he said, hey, I, I want to invite you to come to church. He said, I'm a branded pastor in town and invite you and your family to come to church. I want to tell you how to get to heaven. This, this little boy looks at me and says, you want to tell me how to get to heaven? You came and tell me how to get to the post office. Let alone how to get to heaven. So, uh, yeah, that was for free this morning. But, uh, um, you know, I love Christian jokes, right? They're, they're great. But uh, anyway, man, I'm, I'm excited for this morning's service. I'm excited for what God's going to do today. But I'm also a little bit nervous. It was funny, uh, this last week, uh, not funny, but it's interesting, this last week, how if you know me very well, you know that I generally speak in uh, a series. And the reason why I do this is because if I didn't speak in series, we would be here for like four or five hours every Sunday. Let's just be honest. And, and you know, some of our staff members and, you know, and, and Kayla's down here shaking her head. She knows I talk a lot. But, and, and many of you do that as well. And so I have to speak in series or we'd be here all day. And so I have a hard time deviating from series. I think God leads, leads and directs. But, but something's happened in our nation and our culture over the course of this last week that is causing me to feel like I need to push pause for a Sunday and address what's happening. And I know it's on our minds this morning, isn't it? I know it's on our minds because you can't get away from it. And, and maybe you're here today and you said, I want to come to church today and get away from all the news. And now here you're going to talk about this. And someone asked me, there are days, so are you going to get political on Sunday? And it's funny because, as you know me, I don't generally talk about politics or world issues and such. I, I have a policy on my Twitter and Facebook. I do not post politics. I do not post those things because I think that social media is a terrible place to have conversation. I think it's best to have them one-on-one with people who, who, who talk. And, and that's the place. So I have a personal thing. That's, if you want to wonder, that, that's why. It's not because I don't have thoughts. Believe me, I have lots of opinions. But, uh, but I don't want to share them in those, those ways. But, but this, this, this week, things have happened in our culture that I believe that we as a church have to address. Amen? God has called us as a church to be culture setters and not culture followers. God has given the church a voice. It's a strong voice. It's a good voice. A voice of, of truth. A voice of hope. A voice of, of promise. A voice of forgiveness. A voice of judgment. All these things. God's given the church these things. And far too often we are left off standing in the corner and, and silenced or, or, or quiet or, or whatever it might be because 
it seems the world is going in a direction quickly and fast that is dark and difficult. I don't know if you're like me, but I, I got up this week several mornings and I thought, how could the news get any worse? See, this morning, I, even this morning, I got my, my, on my, uh, my, my computer this morning to look at the news and I found that several officers in Minneapolis last night were shot from a, a, a and it's a lot, I don't remember the number, but it's it quite a few from these protests that are happening in our city. It's funny, when it's, when it's 100 miles or 1,000 miles away, it doesn't feel quite as close as it does right here, does it? It's easy for us to want to put these things in the past and put these things and kind of forget about these things. And, 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 but I feel this morning that I don't, I don't want to do that. What's happened in our country over the last few weeks is tra- nothing short of tragedy. What happened in, 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 in Louisiana this young man being shot, what happened in, uh, in our own backyard, this young man being shot, what happened in Dallas as five officers are knocked down, what's, what's happened afterwards in, in Georgia with the officer being gunned down, it's just, it's atrocious, I can't imagine, I can't believe it. What's happened in Missouri, what's happened, uh, it's happened in Missouri, it's, it's, it's happened in Tennessee, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, and you look at these things and you think, God, what What's happening to our great nation? I went for a walk the other night, and I was just, this has struck me so heavily, and I went for a walk the other night, and I said, God, I don't know what to say. That's rare. <laughs> I said, God, I don't, I don't know what to say about all these things. I've been so burdened this week. And it's reminded me of these scriptures. I want to read them for you today. It's Genesis chapter 6, verses 11 through 12, and it says, this is the earth before the flood that's being described. And it says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, And the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Very timely, isn't it? I found a scripture, it makes me think of a scripture too in Isaiah chapter 59, 14, that I had read a while back, and it's an interesting scripture, to say the least. It says, justice is turned back. It says, righteousness stands far away. It says, for truth has stumbled in the public squares, and uprightness cannot enter. Some translations say truth has stumbled in the courts. I don't know if there's anything that's more relevant to us right now than than that scripture. We are living that out. We are seeing those things take place before our eyes. We're seeing these things happen. And it's it's fascinating this morning to, to look at this, but it's heartbreaking more than anything, isn't it? Because you see, here's the deal. How do we respond as a church in these situations? How do we respond when we have situations like we have happening in our culture? I have a, a friend of mine who is, uh, she's an African-American. She is, she is an African-American woman. She's married to a white policeman in Kalamazoo. Talk about an interesting situation in, these, in this day and age, right? He's married to one of the finest men I've ever met. Her husband is a close friend of mine. And again, a finer person, a finer man, you will not find. And she had posted this week uh, on her Facebook wall, and she said, I'm not sure how to feel. She said, I have pro-black thoughts. I have pro-white thoughts. I have pro-cop thoughts. She said, I have all these thoughts. I'm not sure how to respond. So she begins to write this, this, this long thing, and, and I didn't want to steal it from her this morning because it's pretty private. It was pretty much hers, but what was so fascinating is she said, I feel like I can't be on either side of the fence with this one. And that's what's sad about this, is because I know what my husband goes through every day. 
I know how he cares. I know what happens. She says, but I also know how I feel sometimes when I walk into places and I am marginalized. And she said, to be honest with you, it's felt stronger and bigger in the last few weeks. She said, you know what? She said, that's a tragedy. What I believe in my heart is this is exactly what the enemy wants to do in our culture. He wants to drive stakes between us. He wants to drive between us wedges of fear, wedges of hate, wedges of brutality, wedges of it's my way or the highway. You'll do what I say. You'll do what I like, and you're going to get out of my way because my way is the right way. Right? It's our culture in our world nowadays. And what I find sometimes is the church is, how do we respond to this? What do we do? We do here in Monticello and Big Lake, which seems to be so far from these things. We do here in our culture. What do we do here right now? What's God called us to do? Because, again, our response as the church is not one that is in tragic times where we are responding in helpless fear. We're not responding in, in fear that says, God, what's going to happen? Lord, it's going to all fall apart. It's going to be terrible. Lord, that's not a response as the, as the church, but of people of hope, healing, and restoration. Amen? That's what God's called us to live like and to be and to do. And, and frankly, this morning, I can't imagine being on either side of this debate. We have this morning here with us a, a, a police officer who I love and respect greatly and dearly. Tim, I can't imagine what you're going through right now. I can't fathom what your family's going through right now. I can't imagine, I've thought about you guys a lot this last week. I've thought about you, and I, just, I can't imagine as, as our nation seems to be, be ratcheting up and up and up and up. It's men like Tim and women like, like not women like Tim, but you know what I mean? Women who are police officers, that you get what I'm saying this morning, who are, in the, who are putting themselves in a line of fire. Hats off to you, Tim. Our police officers are our true heroes. I see the other side of the coin as well. I have friends of mine who are African American who have told me right out, who I respect and love and care for, who said, our nation has a cultural bias. I have a friend of mine who I've been communicating with who has told me, he says, I get pulled over a lot, (laughs) way more than you do, and I don't speed any more than anybody else does. Now, are we to say, no way, you're wrong, it's not going to happen? I, I don't know. That's, the problem is, I don't know if that's really, there's really a great answer to those things. Because in our culture, in our nation today, we are being driven further and further with a wedge between left and right, black and white, right and wrong, red and blue, and all these kind of things. And it's wrong. Amen? It's not how God's called us to live and to be. God's called us to live and to be different, to be higher, to think differently than, than, than the world thinks. And it's, it's frustrating because I feel like I can't put my arm around a black person who is walking through this while putting my arm around somebody like a, a policeman who's, who is walking, that both are in a position and a place where they are walking through difficult times right now. Our nation tells you you're either on one side of the fence or you're on the other side of the fence. God's called you and me to think differently. I'll be honest with you, uh, uh, this, this whole thing has awaken my heart a little bit for a realization that there are times in my life when I can think a little bit racist. I can see people, I can see things, and I can, I can put people, because what I do is I put people in, in, in a, a box and say, well, if you look like this, if you dress like this, if you talk like this, then this must be the reality that you have, right? 
And on the other side of the fence, I put people who look like me, who talk like me, who act like me, and the other side of the fence as well. And that's where we happen. That's what happens sometimes in our culture. We put people in boxes and places, and we judge people not based on the character and, of, and the moral fiber of their heart, of their, of, of their actions, but based on the color of their skin. And we have to be honest about that. To ask ourselves and ask God, God, do I do that? And if so, God, I need to repent for thinking like that. Because black, white, green, purple, orange, Asian, whatever you might be this morning, God has made us and God's created us and God's formed us in his image. Amen? God's formed people in his image. I can't imagine the heart of God right now and how it's breaking over what's happening in our culture. I can't imagine. So I was just thinking about this this week, and I scribbled some notes on a piece of paper, and I would have actually left it like that, but I couldn't read it, so I had to type it out just last night. And, and I was saying, God, what do we, what do, we do? And I, I walked in my, my home last night, my basement for quite a while, and just prayed. And, and, and I'd go back and forth with God over what to preach and what to say today. And again, I'm a very calculated person, but this one was, was personal. This one was different. And so I, I, I nervously, but... but uh, but, 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 but with all my heart, of throwing down some ideas and some things. What, what do we do when we have, a le- have had a week like we've just had as believers? Again, God's not called us to respond with fear, but God's called us to respond differently. So the first one this morning is, is to respond with, with lament. Lament is another word for grieving, to respond with a, a response that, that says, God, I, I've cried until the tears can no longer come. God, I'm crying out to you in your, in your, your, for your relief. You know that one-third of the psalms are psalms of lament? One-third. Do you realize how many times in the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, God calls on his people to stop, to put on sackcloth, which was basically a, a, a potato sack, to put on sackcloth, to cover their head with ashes, and to get low and get down, and to repent and to lament what was happening in their nation. God called them to that. You know, that's a challenging thought, because in, as modern believers, as modern Christians, we want to run far from lamenting, don't we? We don't want to do this. We don't want to think about difficulty. We don't want to run away from that. We want to say, well, the world's fine. The world's great. And what we do is we, we, we hide our heads in the sand and we say, it's just fine. It's not me. It's not my situation. It's not where I'm at. When God has called us to a place of lament, God, this should not be. It should not be that we have police officers going out into the streets and being innocently gunned down. It should not be that we have young men who are finding that their only hope and their only answer is to shoot them. It should not be that we have, we have groups of people in our country that feel the only way that they can be heard is to walk down 94 and stop traffic. That's ridiculous, isn't it? So many of us know it's ridiculous, but our hearts need to break and say that that's, that's where we've come as a nation. God, it shouldn't be this way. Lord, it shouldn't be like this. God, this should not be how we think. God, this is not right. Lamentations uh, chapter 2, and Lamentations is a book that you'll, you'll not find uh, preached about very much for good reason. It is pretty depressing. 
It just is. And it's a book that, that Jeremiah wrote. And Jeremiah wrote two books. He wrote his namesake, Jeremiah, and he wrote Lamentations. And Lamentations is exactly what its name states. It is a book of lamenting. You think, well, why would God put that in there? See, Lamentations is, is an expression of how to react when things are terrible in our world. That God's called us to a place where we say things like, God, I've cried until the tears no longer come. Lamentations 2.11. My heart is broken. My spirit is poured out in agony as I see the desperate plight of my people. Children and babies are fainting and dying in the streets. You think, God, this is in your Bible? This is in your word? Your Bible is full of hope and healing. And the reality is, is that it is. You don't get to the rest of this passage in this scripture you don't start right here at the point, the point of lamenting. You read the Psalms, David spoke of lament many times. God, my enemies are all around me. God, things are terrible, things are difficult. But guess what? David always ended up in a very interesting and very important place. David ended up in a place of honor and praise and worship. That God does not matter what happens around me. It does not matter what I see. Lord, you are in control. You are powerful. You are mighty. You are able. Lamentation causes us to stop and to not put our head in the sand and say, I don't, I don't, it's not me. It's not affected by me. The reality is it affects all of us, doesn't it? It affects our nation. I look at my children and I think, God, what kind of world are they going to inherit? kind of a world is my daughter going to, live, going to live in? What things do I have to explain to them? The world they're, they're growing up in is different than the world that I grew up in, isn't it? I, I lament that. I'm sorry for that. I don't, I don't like that very much. God's called us to not put our head in the sand and just say, forget it. God's called us to, 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 to deal with it, to come to him and, and, and lament. But that leads us to number two, because if you stop there, you're going to be depressed, but you're also going to be missing the point, because number two is, is worship. That when difficult times like these come, we start with lamenting, but we move into a time of, of worship. Worship gets our eyes off the problems and puts our eyes onto the problem solver, onto God. Amen? Worship puts our eyes off of the terrible things happening, off of God, this should not be, where we need to start, but puts it on saying, God, you are God, and I will ever serve you, I will ever love you, you are my king, you are everything. Lord, I worship you. It gets our eyes off the problem and on to God. Church, politics, and governments are not the answer. It's not the answer. It's just not. We could have the greatest leader in, in, in office. We could have the most amazing. Reagan could come back from the dead and become our president. That'd be great, wouldn't it? It could happen. Guess what? It's still not the answer, right? The answer is not found in politics and, and, and policies. The answer is not found in us even coming to the table and talking about stuff. Because what happens so often is we come to the table and we just disagree. The answer to our problems is not that. The answer to our problems is God. And that seems trite to a person who does not know God. Amen? It seems trite to a person who does not understand the power and the authority that God has in our world nowadays. We as believers should not be like that. We realize and we see, we know our world is falling apart. You know why? Because our world is full of people who are lost and dead in sin. 
Our nation is led by leaders who are lost and dead in sin. Our nation is led by people who do not have the, 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 the nation at their heart. They have their own self-images and self-purpose at their heart. You, you know what? That's going to happen. You know why? Because they're lost. Broken people do broken things. Broken people make broken decisions. Broken people say the wrong thing. They lead in the wrong direction. They lead us in the wrong places. Church, what God's called us to do is to lament our situation, but come to him and say, God, you are the answer. And what scares me is that Christians, sometimes we could be very easily to walk into a place where a fear and anger and anxiety says the world that I knew when I was 25, the world that I knew when I was 10 or 30, 40, 50 years ago is not the world it is anymore. And that stinks. And guess what? It does. But the answer is not going back to how it was 40 years ago. The answer is Jesus. The answer is a world that has an encounter with the most holy God who changes them and who takes their, their ideals that are not godly and not correct and shapes them and forms them and molds them. It takes leaders who are not thinking about godliness or purity or righteousness and they have an encounter with him and it changes them. You can't help but be changed by God when you come to his presence and have an encounter with him, right? Church has walked away from this. We have walked to a place where we are, we, we are, are dealing with, with the mind of people, but not with their hearts. We're dealing with convincing them here. We're not, we're not imploring and saying, come and meet at the table with God and meet with him and know him and let him change you. If anything, we should be the people who are leading the way and living like that. We should be leading the way in those things. I worship you, God. I, I honor you. Lord, I see what's happening in my culture, in my world. I don't like it. It shouldn't happen. God, you are my God. God, you are incredible. God, you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly above what you ever ask, think, or pray. The reality is, is that the world's history is going to look back on this time of, of, of culture and say, there's been no time like this. The, the history is going to look, history is looking forward to us and the world look back in this moment saying this, there's been no time like this because I believe that God is preparing our nation and our culture with the understanding that how things are nowadays is not the answer. It's becoming clear. We should be happy. We should be rejoicing because God is setting things up for the greatest revival, the greatest change, the greatest turnaround this world has ever seen. I believe that. I do. And if I didn't believe that, I would quit my job and I would go out and do something else. Because this is what God has said. This is what God's promised. He said, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. In the last days, things are going to be amazing. The things you're going to see are going to be incredible and, and, and awesome. Man, guys, we serve a God who's bigger than this stuff. And our response needs to be, God, I worship you. Number three. Number three calling is to seek and speak truth patiently. The story is told of, a, of an old man who was walking his, uh, his, his old mule and his dog on the side of a dirt road in farm country in Oklahoma. He's walking them along the, the road, and around the, the road comes this truck driven by a guy who's going way too fast and hits them and knocks them into the, to the ditch. And so uh, this old man 
uh, was probably a little, a little cranky, I, I don't know, but, but he, he uh, looked at this, this guy, he sued this, 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 this young man in this, in this truck, and he took him to court, and, and, and the, the, the young man in the truck, his lawyer said, uh, sir, I want you to answer my question with a yes and no, and that's it. Did you or did you not, at the scene of the accident, say you were fine? The old man stopped, and he said, well, on that day, I began to, I was walking with my mule and my dog, and, and this lawyer said, stop, answer the question, yes or no. Did you or did you not tell the defendant at the time of the accident that you were fine? The old man once again said, well, I'll be honest, I was walking down the side of the road with my, with my trusty dog and, and my mule, and we were trying to, and, the, and the, the lawyer again said, stop. He said, judge, sir, would you tell this guy to answer the question, yes or no? And the judge uh, responded, and the judge said, well, let's hear out what he wants to tell us. So let's, let's listen to him, his story. So the old man said, on that day, I was walking along the side of the road with my mule and my dog, and we were walking to, to the market, and this defendant came around the curve and, and hit us, and we ended up in the ditch. He got out of his truck with a shotgun, and he looked at my mule, which, who had a broken leg, and he shot him. And they looked at my dog, who was obviously hurting, and shot him too. And they looked at me, and he said, how are you doing? And my, and my response was, I'm fine. You see, there's, here's the deal we, in, in our culture. Some of you guys are going to get that in a few minutes. But, but here's what happens in our culture. We want to shoot first, ask questions later, right? We want to deal with things now because we've seen it. Oh, I've seen the videos. I've seen it. It makes sense. This is what happens. We, and we pronounce judgment. We pronounce this is how it is without any type of time or, or effort or, or moments. That's what our culture is leading us towards. And we as believers need to seek and speak truth patiently. There's been times when I have been so thankful for my, my Facebook uh, 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 policy because I've wanted to lash out on something on Facebook and say, this is ridiculous and blah, 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 blah. And I want to play, post it on there. And then guess what? About a day or two later, I'm saying, God, thank you that I didn't do that because I would have been dead wrong, right? Our culture is saying quick, pain, quick, this definitive judgment, this is how it's going to be. That should not be. As believers, we need, we need to be different. We need to seek truth, but seek it patiently. We don't have all the answers. We weren't there in Minneapolis and Falcon Heights the other night. We weren't there in Dallas. We weren't there in those places. We weren't there in those things. Now, I certainly have my opinions, and I certainly think I know what happened in some of those situations, but I, don't, I wasn't there. Why are we so fast to judge these things when we, we weren't there? Our culture says, it doesn't matter. This is what happened. I personally think that even the people who were there in Falcon Heights, uh, who did videos, they, they may not have been able to separate their biases with what they believe they saw and what they didn't see, right? Why are we so fast to judge yes or no, right or wrong, black or white? God's call us to, to, to seek the truth patiently. When the truth comes forward, though, number four, to, to pursue peace actively. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Peacekeepers want to keep everyone happy, don't they? They want to bring everybody to the table and say, let's all talk and let's be friends and let's just all get along and can't we just all kind of function in the same place, in the same world? That's what, peace, that's what peacekeepers want to do, right? 
Our world is full of peacekeepers. Our world is full of people who say, this is how it's going to be. We're going to get right together, and that's going to be the hope of hope of it. It's just getting around on the same table. But the problem is, is that those people around that table have some pretty difficult and pretty differing opinions. See, what we're not, we're called to is not keeping the peace. We're called to is making the peace because peacemakers want to help people be truthful and healthy. Sometimes that means we speak truth. We speak truth in a helpful way. There are some things being said in our culture nowadays that are right, but they're not helpful. There's same things that we are, we are, are disseminating on Facebook and Twitter and the news and things that are truth, but they're not helpful. God has called us to be, at first place, kingdom-building people who do things and make decisions based on what's helpful, what brings people to Christ, because he is the answer, and he is nothing less than the answer. Peacemakers want to keep people happy. Peace, or peacekeepers want to keep people happy. Peacemakers want to help people find the truth and find help. Our culture is full of people that are, that are, that are sick. And I don't mean sick as physically. I mean sick spiritually, sick emotionally. It shouldn't have been that these things have happened. It's a it's a word in our culture these things happen. God help us to be people as a church to rise up and to be peace, peacemakers. And then number five, God's called us to think differently. Romans chapter 12, verses one through two says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true in worship, proper worship. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his perfect, good, and pleasing will. Our world has a pattern. Our world has a way of thinking. We disagree. We, we fight. We're not on the same page. We get angry. We're not, we're, we're not being heard, we riot. We're not having this happen, then we stand up for our rights. That's the pattern of our worlds, amen? That's how things are, are coming down. And the pattern of our world is one is filled with hatred and, and fear. That's at the bottom line of this, isn't it? It's is that fear, we're afraid of the other side, and it's because of that, we hate the other side, and that's what's fueling this. God has called us to live and think differently. I do not want my life to conform to the pattern of this world. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. How is your mind renewed? Your mind is renewed through three, through, through three areas. And I want to talk about that. You see, part of not conforming is guarding your heart. One of my favorite scriptures is Proverbs 4, 23. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you, you do flows from your heart. Church, in this day and age, we have to guard our hearts. The enemy is cunning. The enemy is, has got a plan and a purpose. And I believe that it would be far too easy for us to see what's happening in our culture and see what's happening in our world. And, and without a guarded heart that is guarded by the word and by the spirit, we could, be, we could find ourselves going down the wrong direction too. God, help us. We don't operate like that as, as, a, as a people of God. Amen? Guard my heart. God, I don't want to find myself on one side of the fence. I don't want to find myself here, myself there. I want to find myself on the side of the fence that's truth. I want to find myself on the side of the fence that is full of truth. And the truth is that God is able and bigger and stronger and greater. 
that God is the hope of this planet, the hope of this world. I found that in my life and in my heart, when I can guard my heart and see things through the lens of the Word and the lens of the Spirit and the lens of Scripture, when I see things like that, I see things differently. I see things in a, in a different way. I don't want to conform. I don't want to, I want to, we need to guard our hearts. Part of not conforming is being led by the Spirit. I don't want to be a church that just says we're led by the Spirit and we believe in tongues and all those kind of things. I want to be a church that is truly led by the Spirit. If we're led by the Spirit when we're out in the world, guess what? God's going to lead us and the Spirit is going to teach us and show us what to do. Now, there are some people out there that are being led by the Spirit, but they're being led by a different Spirit, right? There's people that say, well, I'm being led by the Spirit to do, to pull my gun out and whatever it might be. I don't know what people can do because the reality is, is that not only are we led by the Spirit, we're also guarded by the Word. Far too many of us, are, are, are believers, are not digesting and spending time in a reflecting relationship with the Word of God. God, what does your Word say to me today? God, challenge me. God, reach into my heart and change my heart. Man, if the church would think like that, we could be different. To look at the Word not as just a, a, a tool, not as just a book, but to look at the Word as God's Word powerful that leads us and showing us how you're led by the spirit how am i led by the spirit well it's it's here shown and i have to look at this in relationship with this word that looks more like a mirror than it does like an anvil god i want your word to change me and reflect me we had a church and we had a big C church that looked at the word like that, and being led by the Spirit takes on a whole, a whole new light. And see, part of not conforming is measuring your life and your attitude with Jesus' life. You can't do that unless you have the word in your heart. What's so amazing is 1 John 8, 16, how do we know what love is? Because he laid down his life for us. How do you know what love is? Love was the ultimate sacrifice, laying down your life for somebody else. What's amazing about that is Jesus laid down his life for people that loved him and would love him and care about him, certainly. But he also laid down his life for the people that are the most opposite of how you and I believe that ever possibly could, could imagine. Amen? God laid down his life for the people that are toting the, 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 the rainbow flags and they're walking down Hennepin Avenue and they're all there, whatever else. And we would look at them and say, man, that's ridiculous. And I'll be honest with you, it is. Anyone who tells you that homosexuality is just a big, not a big deal, and it's just whatever else, is dead wrong. It is a sin. It is destructive. It is awful. It is a terrible, terrible thing. And it, it, it is a sin that is, that, is, that is stuck and is deep and has found itself in the root of our culture that it says anything goes, and what I believe you have to believe too, that is wrong. It is keeping people in bondage. And God wants to bring freedom to our nation. Those people, those people that do that, that I can so easily look at with a heart, with an eye that is, that, that is, that is angry and an eye that is, that is vindicative and an eye that is judgment, and I have before, God loves them just as much as he loves me. And he laid down his life for them too. That has to challenge and that has to rip at me. The times in my life I've listened to the talk radio, I shouldn't do that. I've listened to talk radio, and they've talked about 
things happening in our culture, and they have been railing on it, and I have yelled, I'm angry, I'm ticked. This is wrong, this is ridiculous, and it's me against you, and that is not right. We need the word of God to change us. I don't want to offer these people who are living like this, so, so lost and so sinful and so full of, of bondage, I don't want my response to them to be, you are wrong and I hate you. I want my response to say, you're missing it, because guess what? They know they do. They know they're missing it. They can tell you all they want. They're happy now. Look in their eyes. Get to know a person who is gay. What you'll find is you'll find brokenness. You'll find hurt. You'll find a past of abandonment. Get to know a person who would be the kind of person that would go and, and would, would, would go to a, a rally like we've seen in our city. You'll find a person who is lost, who doesn't have the answers, who thinks that this is the answer when it's not. You'll find a person who's been marginalized. Yes, no, maybe, I don't know. I'm not them. It doesn't matter because you'll find a person who doesn't get it for some reason. Our response to them is, you are wrong and this is why. And we're going to miss the boat. Miss the mark on that. God, help us. Lord Jesus, teach us to be to think differently about the world. And then lastly, and not last because it's less important, but lastly because I want to leave this thought with this, is we have to be people of prayer. We have to be people who don't just talk about prayer, but actually do prayer, right? Not people that say, oh, I'm praying for you. Man, I, I'll tell you, it bugs, now I'm getting out of here. It bugs me when we go and people say, I'm praying for you, and we never do. Oh, you're sick? I'm praying for you. Oh, man, I'm praying for you. And we never pray about that. That drives me crazy. Because you know what? That, that marginalizes the, the, the gift that God's given us through prayer. I'll be honest this morning. If, if I didn't pray last night, I'd have been preaching a different message today, and God would not have, have blessed me. God would not have blessed us. We have to pray. It's not, it's not a... We should pray. It's a good idea. It's we have to. Church, we have to be prayer, prayer people. We have to be in the word. We have to be people that are, that are putting our lives in front of the word and saying, in front of Jesus on a day-to-day basis and saying, God, search my life. Search my heart. God, change this situation. Change this world. Lord, this is terrible. This shouldn't happen. But I worship you. God, give me the truth. Lord, I want the truth in this and not what the world says is the truth. Lord, I want peace. I want to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. God, cause me to think differently. Lord, cause me to not conform my heart to how this world thinks, but Lord, to conform my heart to how you think. You don't do that without prayer. It's not a hard message of anger this morning, church. It's a hard message that says we have to think differently about how we go about our business. God, help us when we're people who don't pray. And then lastly is, if I could have Brenda come forward this morning, look up. coming again soon. The world is getting darker. It seems to be getting darker and darker and darker, and it's, it's crazy. Look up. Jesus said in his word, Jesus said in, 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 his, 
and, and, and a prophecy that he gave, which is very relevant, very real today. So when you see these things happening, look up. Your redemption's coming close. Your redemption's coming near. God help us if we're, our eyes are so stuck on what's happening in our world that we forget to say, God, this is going to be amazing. God, you're going to do something incredible and fantastic and awesome in this world. You're preparing this world for it. You're doing something amazing and incredible. You're in control. I trust you. I believe you. I'm looking up because someday's coming when I get to see Jesus face to face in church. If that doesn't make us excited, if that doesn't make us, make us, make us hungry and happy and dedicated to his word and dedicated to him and dedicated to, his, to what he's doing, then God help us as believers. Jesus, I want to look up because, God, I know that what I see around me is proof. It's proof that the enemy is, is messing with this world's mind. It's proof that the hope of the world is found in you, Jesus. Lord, I look up because you're coming again soon. Jesus said in the prayer, in his prayer, if you would stand across the room with me this morning. Jesus said in his prayer as he taught his disciples how to pray. One of the lines he said to pray was, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God, your kingdom is bigger than mine. Bow our heads and close this morning. God, your kingdom is bigger than my 401k. Your kingdom, Lord, is bigger than my inadequacies. It's bigger than the foolishness we see in the world around us. Lord, your, your kingdom is, is bigger than that. Lord, my prayer today, God, is not that, that our kingdom, the kingdom of this world, becomes stronger and greater and bigger and that we flourish and all these kind of things to be more comfortable. Lord, my prayer today is, Lord, let your kingdom come. Whatever it takes, whatever it is, Jesus, I want to see it happen. Lord, I look up and I'm excited for that day because it's coming soon, Lord Jesus. And I want people to be there with me. Amen? I want people to be there. And so, Lord, I'm dedicated to lamenting. Lord, I'm dedicated to prayer. Lord, I'm dedicated, Jesus, to worship. I'm dedicated, Lord, to seek truth patiently. I'm dedicated to pursue peace actively. I'm dedicated to think differently. I'm dedicated to looking up and not allowing the world, what says that is happening, become my new reality. I'm dedicated to you, Jesus, above all else. This morning, I want us to do exactly what we close with today. I want us to pray, if you would today. I want you to join hands with people across the aisles. Let's become one, one body this morning. Join across the aisles. Join. You may not look at that, may not know that person across the way. They might stink. Great. Whatever. Who cares? I stink too. So, so do you. But anyway, let's, let's reach. Let's join hands this morning. And this morning, we're going to do what we've, ta- what we've talked about today. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for this nation. We have our elders coming forward this morning to lead us into prayer. But we're going to pray for our nation. We're going to pray that God helps us and God leads us, that God keeps us humble and God keeps us understanding and God keeps us wise and, and leads us. We're going to pray this morning for our nation. We're going to pray, and as these elders are praying today, I don't want you just to kind of stand there and just listen. I want you to pray with us today. Pray in agreement. The word says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'll be there also. There's more than two or three here this morning. There's an army here today of people that can stand up and pray and sing up and join hands and saying, God, no more. This is not going to be okay, Lord. And we are going to pray and ask you to do something about this. This is not the last resort. 
It is the only resort this morning. Lord Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Hallelujah. Praise